Hello and welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Gary Morgan, with me as always, because even though he was absent last week, yeah. he was here guiding me a little bit. <laughs> as <laughs> always, talk except. about what we wanted to talk about. <clears throat> so, Jim Stam is back. He's still fighting it, but he's here. Yeah, dude. <clears throat> Just a really nasty cold. Um and uh, it sucked. I, you know, you know me. When someone like the Fort gets on, and we could we could really talk some ball. That's what I wanted to do. So I was I was glad for you. I was sad for me. Well, Let's just put I, it, that it way. probably spared him thirty minutes of defending the uh, tripod <laughs> approach behind the plate, right? So yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's get a comment right away from Doug Smith. He says it's the danger noodle hour. <laughs> he knows how I love to call the Arizona Diamondbacks the Danger Noodles. I've also come to find the Nope Ropes pretty cool too. But uh, we'll yeah. go with we'll go with the Arizona Diamondbacks because they've earned to be called their their proper name as they've just made the World Series for the first time in quite some time, Jim. And mm-hmm. we also get the Texas Rangers who haven't been in it in quite some time, so. Two yeah. teams coming out of a rebuild at different times, different approaches, meeting up in the World Series. And don't you know that means the Pirates are going to win it next year for sure? Well, obviously, do the math, Gary. <laughs> I mean, it's right there, man. It's, it's right, right there. there. So, I mean, let's <clears throat> talk about this this matchup proper, though. It's just as baseball fans, I think mm-hmm. it's it's a fair matchup. Yeah. I like um, I like Texas in this matchup. I think they probably have the 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 better top end. If the, if everything's firing on all cylinders for both clubs, I feel like Texas probably comes out on top. That said, Arizona's been super op- opportunistic, man, and everybody that they needed to step up plus two have done so. So yeah, uh, this this could go either way. Hot hot team hasn't been really put out yet, you know. <laughs> like, right. So what well, do you think? Who do you, who are you? Who are you? I, I don't like to say who you're rooting for because we don't have really root, rooting interest here at all. Yeah, yeah. But who do you like? Yeah, you know, I think it's actually going to be a really entertaining series. I I, I really do. Um, and I hope we get to see that. And, you know, I, I'm just trying to stay in the box of enjoying um, the matchup for what it is instead of looking big picture on what it means for baseball and all this stuff. Yeah. But, but um, I, I think it's too – I tend to agree with you. I think the Rangers are, are more top-heavy. But I will say Arizona, they're just really solid. You know what I mean? Like they're a solid ball club. And – before we even get too far ahead of ourselves, I just, what those two teams accomplished in those championship series and what they did to get to the world series in the, in that championship series is nothing short of like incredible. The the fact that they had to win those games when they did, how they did on the road game sevens. I mean, it was just incredible, Gary, like that. Yeah. That was if if people want to make the claim that they don't deserve to be there, you do that under those conditions, man. I don't have any issue with it whatsoever. No, and I don't think that the expanded playoffs are necessarily to blame. I mean, I don't think playoffs in any sport have really ever been about the best team winning. I think, yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of regular season champs that that for for whatever reason don't have what it takes in the playoffs to get the job done. You know, you see that in the NHL a lot, and at least in the NHL, I can say, well, the referees call the games differently in in the playoffs. It's like mm-hmm. that in the NCAA; it used to be that way too. The Big East teams would get penalized because they were used to mugging each other. And then they get into the NCAA tournament and all of a sudden, well, that stuff's getting called. And right. that's, you know, 
and it, it changed the style of basketball you could play or hockey you could play or you had to persevere to get through the playoffs. But baseball, it's the same game. It's just the same odds that it always is. Yeah. Success it, in baseball is, you know, 300% of the time you get a hit. Right. Right. And I mean, we've talked about this before. It's like, all you're trying to do during the regular season is win like six of 10, a six out of 10. Yeah. Like, and, and that translates to, to, to being a good team over the long haul. There, there's this weird, like, almost like this weird college football gatekeeping right now going on with baseball, which is like, we can only have the best teams in and they, they, they're the ones that only deserve the chance. I would submit that that's what makes sports great is that when you do have team, I mean, teams that can beat good teams, uh, better team teams that are better than them. I mean, no, we remember certain games and certain series because the underdog actually can win and has won. And I think yeah. if you, you can't eliminate that, why would you want to? No, I mean, and some people call, call what we see in the playoffs, you know, parody. I think it's probably false parody. You know, I mean, yeah. You know, there may, for instance, there hasn't been a repeat champion MLB since 2000. But oh, that loves that loves to get tossed around. People love that, right? Yeah. So they toss that one around all the time. But but you look at what you're actually seeing in the playoffs, dude. It's the same. It's the same people, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, aside from the here and there, the, you know, somebody else pops in there every once in a while. But right. yeah, and you got your other teams that go through their cycles and they get in for two, three years, right? And then they're back to where they belong according to the baseball world because it's so about media markets making it you know as mm-hmm. soon as it was like going to be texas and arizona baseball's minds melted because they see no ratings for their game well if you ever really want to get what you think you're missing in major league baseball you have to get to the point where you make your game attractive enough that the teams, the logos don't matter for whether you're going to get ratings or not. Yeah. I mean, or, the NFL, or, or like, a massive amount of difference. Yeah. Like the NFL, you, you honestly think that they think Indianapolis and Cleveland is getting the same ratings as Dallas, Washington. No, they, they don't think that, but they also know it's not such a dire drop off that, they're not <laughs> that yeah, they have yeah. to have a meltdown if that ends up being something that, that people see in a big game. Right. Well, th- they built it so the product stands on its own no matter what. Right. Um, but yeah, so let's before we go to a break, real quick, let me get back to this series. I will say this. I think the Rangers should win. I'm leaning towards the Diamondbacks a little bit, and I'll watch the Rangers sweep them, whatever. But I really do think, Gary, it could come down to one thing. And I could see this going either way. I, I will say if Max Scherzer is any kind of Max Scherzer that he c- could be, I think it tilts heavily towards Texas because he's such an X factor. If he's yeah. the Max Scherzer where we've seen the last, you know, couple times out and he's, you know, not a hundred percent and he looks I think he's a tipping point, really. I think you could watch how he does and it could really swing that series. I actually agree with you. He is a great fulcrum for this series. Mm-hmm. And and if if they end up winning and he significantly contributes, that will be all they got out of him for that trade. Oh. And it will be 100% worth it. That's what you're hoping for, if nothing else, right? That he steps up when it matters. Yeah. I'd have to say, like, uh, just because I like to root for something when I'm watching these series. <laughs> right. I'm rooting for the Rangers, if only because they've never won the series. Mm. And the D-backs have won, and they won the one with the, with Kurt Schilling and Roger Clemens and all that. So, um, yeah. I, I, It's not that I hate Arizona or anything. I'm just saying I think I'd like to see Texas get one. You know? yeah, that's, that's fair for a fan base that's sitting there with, with 
you know, we, Hey, we complain here in Pittsburgh, but yeah, <laughs> they, they, they've never, they've never experienced it. So yeah, I can right. go, I can get on board with that. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, talk about some more bucko stuff. Like how about Cabrian Hayes? Nice. DK Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now, that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects. We're back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. If you're not already doing so, please hit the like button down here. Hit that little bell so you get notifications about the show coming up so I don't have to work so hard promoting it. You know, all that stuff like like that. Um, help us out if you could. And uh, if you're listening to the show instead, make sure you subscribe and do the same thing on Spotify, Apple, all that. It's really helpful to us. Thanks a lot. So Ryan Lytle, he comments... How about that hardware for key? Just need that gold glove now. So he didn't get the gold glove, but he did get the best defender of the year award. And <laughs> he did get, you know, the best third baseman award, right? So we have to be pretty excited about what that kind of says to those who vote. And uh, specifically, this is uh, defensive player of the year from uh, the fielding Bible, which is prestigious, but you know, it's not always predictive of the gold glove. Cabrian Hayes is good with the tools at hand. He he is really, really playing crazy defense for this team. And I, I think we underappreciate it because we watch it every day. I think when you, when you've been watching these playoffs, They've been good plays at third base. It's not as though there's nobody else that can play it well, but you notice little things that Cabrian does that other third basemen don't or can't. Uh-huh. And and I think he's deserving of these awards. Fielding Bible has given him the uh, third base award, and he's also won Defensive Player of the Year from them. So that's not the gold glove. It's not always predictive of the gold glove, but... It really kind of should be, Jim. Yeah, well, I think that's where this this award even came from, is that it was trying to give a better, more true indicator of defensive prowess, right? Um, so, you know, uh, I, I think it's, it's, uh, it's still highly regarded. And it tries to give people a better, a better, more accurate look at like really who is the best at what they do. And I, I will say, Gary, I do think that you're right. Like we get spoiled with him at third. And, you know, it's funny because when you think about Hayes and how he fields that position, you don't see him having to do all the crazy acrobatic stuff. And I think that that almost hurts him. He's all, he's so good at the footwork and the body placement that he rarely is in a position where he even has to do those things. Yeah. And it almost hurts him, you know, with the, the casual person that watches because, you know, if you're in another market or whatever, you're not seeing, <clears throat> excuse me, you're not seeing those crazy acrobatic plays from him because he doesn't ever really have to do it does that make sense it it absolutely makes sense i mean i've watched it before i think i've seen tremendous defenders and taken them for for granted in the past you know and he's probably the best third baseman that i've ever seen in my lifetime and I, i mean that I, I my next closest would be like Terry Pendleton. You know, I, I thought he was tremendously smooth there. 
I'm too young for like Brooks Robinson to be like, <laughs> you know, so one of my memories, you know what I mean? So I'm talking about like in my lifetime, Wade Boggs comes to mind like early on. He's up there at least chipper. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say this. We don't like to give Aaron Otto a lot of credit here in Pittsburgh, but we need to. He's been really, really outstanding. And the fact that Brian Hayes can now almost say that we, we, we believe that he's surpassed him is a huge, huge compliment to Brian Hayes. We don't have Brooks sure. Robinson to to judge. I wish we did. I, from, from all I've heard and read is that he was absolutely incredible. But, hey – uh, I, I think Hayes is now he's finally broken through. I think. Yeah. I mean, to do it for as long as Arenado did it too. That's, that's crazy. You're right. Yeah. Pretty, pretty big omission on my part to, to say to not automatically coronate him the best ever, I guess like he's just never, maybe this is my problem. I haven't watched him enough to, to really have, I, f- I felt like he played pretty pedestrian when he when he faced the Pirates, usually at third base. And maybe I'm guilty of the same thing I'm saying about Hayes. You just don't notice how smooth he is. Well, maybe you take it. Yeah, we take a lot of things for granted that you see time and time and time again. We tell we tell everyone not to do that, but hey, we we probably do it with Sidney Crosby every once in a while. Well, so, for sure. You know, I think um, overall. Um, uh, looking back on it, I think uh, Aaron Otto and Brooks Robinson had a really similar fielding percentage. Um, so, so maybe they are the gold standard, but Hayes has a lot of baseball left in him, Gary. And maybe he will be, he's got to do the longevity part of it. That's the, that's the thing, right? Those two are great for so long and that matters. So Hayes is there, but let's keep it there, right? When you think about like how many third basemen can can even possibly impact the game as much as he does, you don't even face lefties. You know, lefties aren't hitting the ball over there most of the time. You know, mm, so right. I mean, like it's not like the middle infield where you're going to have opportunity upon opportunity upon opportunity to take to to steal runs, basically. Right. But to to just get the impact he does from third base, it, it's crazy. And it just speaks to how how he's got just an undying motor over there. So yeah, and um, I'm I'm curious. I don't even know when they do the gold gloves, but uh, needless to say, uh, Pirates Twitter will be in a absolute Chernobyl moment if he doesn't win it this year. Let's let's just say that I've looked at it just about every which way that I can, and the only way that it doesn't go to him is if they give it to Austin Riley and then in all sincerity, it might as well be the silver slugger. And which is why, you know, I think you, you find somebody like the fielding Bible putting what, putting out their own award mm-hmm. because that's what has become of the gold glove, which is a shame. It shouldn't be that way. Yeah. Well, even their, even their, um, they refer to themselves or they're described as sabermetrically inclined group that does this. So um, it is a more true indicator. We'll see if it, we'll see if it translates. Right. So let's talk about how close these pirates really are to, to being the snakes, because I keep hearing there, they should be expecting that next year, right? It should be right around the corner. I don't think that, I don't think that people necessarily understand how Arizona got their team to this point. I don't, I don't know if people have been paying close attention to their rebuild, but yeah. does it really mirror what the, what the pirates are or where the pirates are? In some ways, yes. In other ways, no. And the no's are, are fairly big differences. I think, um, 
I think, um, and by the way, Gary, you're going to see me frozen in this position. If I apologize for people just listening, I want to make sure we don't have any more technical difficulties. So I'm trying to hold <laughs> on to a cord as we do this. But anyways, I think um, there, there's just this this false equivalency thing going on right now with when you take a look at records and right. you're just like, oh, well, you know, the Pirates were only six games worse than the Diamondbacks. And so by that logic, they're close and they can do what the Diamondbacks did. Well, I mean, once you start looking at what the Diamondbacks did, have done, are doing, well, the Pirates have a ways to go. And it's all about how you're going to get there at this point, too. I mean, I can see how it could happen. You know, I can see like a general underlying, mostly all the kids take a little bit of a step forward, at least. That's a good baseline for where you kind of get maybe those other half of those six games that you make up, right? Mm -hmm. And then... O'Neill Cruz, if he is a star, a true star, I mean, like, not one of these liabilities that we're worried about facing lefties, not a problem in the field, at least not to the point where you're freaking out that he can't play shortstop. Just if he's a star, legit, in the conversation for the All-Star game, that's probably enough to get you into the playoffs, but you need somebody to take off like Corbin Carroll. Yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll stick with the record thing for a little longer, just to give people some perspective on this. I think when you look at the diamondbacks, you could make a case that they were actually better than their record. And, um, and I don't mean that by saying, well, their postseason justifies that. I'm going to go back to the regular season, Gary, and I'm going to tell you why I think they're better than their record was. And that's because they were past the all-star break or right at it, past the midway point of the season, and they were 16 games over 500. So they were in a the, uh, the meat of the season past the halfway point and they were 50 and 34. Right. They just happened to have a 30 game stretch where it was awful, awful. Now, I don't know what I, I, I wish I'd had more time. I would have loved to look at their schedule in there and whatever. And then they rebounded and played well down the stretch again. Sure. So I, I, I think it's a little misleading and the other caveat that I would put in all this is like, look, the playoff system has changed. And so that has to be taken into account for what I'm about to say. But this is still an, outli an outlier. Um, li only winning 85 games or 84 games and getting to the World Series. The only team that has done it and did it with less was the 83 win St. Louis Cardinals in 06. So right. like, you know, if that's your, if that's kind of like your bar, it's still a weird, it doesn't happen very often. Let me put it to you that way. I mean, if you see that as your likeliest path to winning a championship, then I can understand the eagerness to accept it. But <laughs> I don't think that, that anybody should believe that that's a, a route that, that is chosen happily. I don't think people are, are going like, boy, I really want to squeak into the playoffs and, and be on the road as much as possible and, you know, make sure that everything times up so we're hot by the time we get there, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. And then you got to think of like the division they're in like that, right. that division alone. I mean, they even the Padres were, were down this year and, and they still weren't pushovers. Um, we know what the Dodgers are. 
I mean, yeah, everyone has somebody that can beat around in their division. That's what Colorado is for. But, you know, so I just, you know. I want to toss a statement at you and see and see how clownish this sounds. Okay. Arizona could very well, and just correct me if I'm crazy here. Arizona could very well win the World Series this year and then show up next year picked to finish like second or third in their own division. Um, depending on what the Padres do, I think that's entirely reasonable. Right. San Francisco, um, you figure, isn't going to take a huge step back. If anything, they're going to pick something up. They've been trying to actually yeah. spend money, and it hasn't worked out in the sense of landing the big the big boys. I suppose L.A. could dip, but maybe they don't need to. And their their farm system near the top is stacked anyway. They might need a good like youth purge. Yeah, and and then you got uh, the Padres. Who knows? They they want to sh- shed salary, but that doesn't mean they want to stink, right? So and- I mean. And that's the other thing is like, even I forgot about the giants, which is, you know, um, they even, I think had a little better record than the pirates this year. Does anybody think that they're on the cusp of doing anything spectacular? I I would submit. No, the Mets had, I think one game difference from the pirates. They already said they are for sure going into a rebuild. Yeah, but but again, back to that, just equating being seventy-eight wins. I, I just think it's I just think it's built on a little bit of a fallacy to begin with. Just looking at the record, I think you really do got to dive in to look at the teams themselves. DK Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now, that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects. I mean, let's talk about the teams that, you know, I mean, I think the Pirates, you guys are familiar with what they've done here. They, they went the full, full teardown rebuild. Arizona or Texas went the full, full teardown rebuild. Arizona, I, I don't feel like they did. I feel like they, they made some trades. They held on to some guys that they wanted to kind of make their veterans instead of bringing in veterans once you have a young team. So they kept Catal Marte. You know, they kept, uh, you know, their first baseman. I can't remember his name right this second. It's uh, Walker. Yeah. So they kept guys like that around, and and they brought in a few veterans towards the trade deadline in the spring and everything. They weren't weren't afraid to make some pretty big trades, like the one they made with uh, Toronto for – Guriel Jr. where they sent out uh, Varsho. I mean, like, yeah, that was a pretty big deal. I thought Varsho was a big piece of this team, and they, yeah. they, it, it, the more you dive into them, it's actually been kind of like a master class at looking at how you can, how you could do this. But boy, you've got to be really good at doing it, and you've got you can't you can't have many missteps. And a lot of things have to align to do it. Their roster right now, Gary, is made up of 12 homegrowns, nine trades, and five free agents. Now, what I would start with on that is, is the free agents. It's not going to blow you away. I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you who the free agents are. Um, they got Merrill Kelly, and he was the guy that, boy, they found him. And he was pitching in um, Korea. Right. 
and he's just been really solid for them. Like uh, they just got like him. Miles Michaelis a couple of years ago for the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah. Um, they brought in Longoria. Now that's just for that veteran presence. Um, still hit double digit home runs in the regular season. By no means a guy that anybody's worried about beating you, but not a big not a big piece there. Joe Mantiply from their bullpen, guy that was well-traveled, but he's been really good. I mean, they don't have much in the free agent market. Now, where they right. did, now where they did, here's, here's, where, here's where their differences are with the Pirates. Not only have they gone out and made really smart trades, they've gotten a lot of juice out of their homegrown talent and they found it everywhere, whether it's Corbin Carroll and they've locked him up, by the way, they've got him at eight years now, 115 million kids, the real deal. Right. And he's, you know, but I mean, they got, they got Brandon fought. They got him um, in the fifth round. They got Kevin Ginkle. He was a 22nd round selection. Saul Frank, sixth round pick. But then they've also hit on their earlier picks when it's Coral or uh, Carol or Pavin Smith. They've got Jordan Lawler ready to go. Uh, Ryan Nelson's a second round draft pick. Um, so they they've kind of hit on they haven't missed on a lot early and they found some gems along the way too. Yeah. And they were one of those teams that you could never tell whether they were going to sell at the deadline or buy at the deadline. Sometimes they bought because it was a good opportunity to get something. Yeah. You know, and and, and I don't think they necessarily thought, hey, we're going to win this year. I think they just thought, hey, this is on the table. It's as good a time as any. Let's not have next year be the first time this guy gets acquainted with us. Let's just do it now. Right. Like, I, I, to your point, let's look at Christian Walker for them. When Arizona was going to think about going through all this, they claimed him off waivers from the Reds after 2017. Do you know what that guy has done since they've got him? Yeah. He's fifth most in war among first basemen the past two seasons. He's 32 years old and he has a better war the last two in uh, last two seasons than Pete Alonso and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like, Man, you gotta you gotta be good at this, and you gotta get a little lucky too. And they have done it. They have done it, Gary. Like I, I'm telling you, like I'll well, send he you. He was this. he was the replacement for Goldschmidt. Yeah. So, like, you know, you talk about filling big shoes too. They filled them with a waiver claim. And like, think about know, the Pirates. That, right but that now stuff melts your brains. Imagine like Miguel Rivas working out. That's what that's what that's like. You know what I mean? Wait, uh, Alfonso, Alfonso Reeves. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's like him working out. Yeah. And we'd be like, Oh my goodness. Look what they found. Right. We wouldn't trust it next season. Right. You know, it actually, when you say it like that, it makes you understand like why an extension was never seeked with him. Really? You know, he's kind of playing out the string there, you know, probably one more year and then they'll move on from him. Right. So, Yep. Yeah. And here, let me, let me tell you where they also really excelled. And this is the, this is the kind of thing, like when you want to compare the pirates being close record wise. Well, let me tell you what. Cattell Marte. They got him in a five player deal from Seattle Mariners. Look what that has turned into. They got Zach gallon in a trade when they traded jazz Chisholm, like you, you've got to trade and you've got to hit on those trades to get to where they're at. I think, um, whenever they, 
even Lourdes Gurriel, he was kind of a throw in, in the Moreno trade. Yeah. And he's, he's hit 24 home runs. Like that you, you've got to be so good in every area if you don't want to spend money on free agents and they haven't had to do it and good for them. But man, <laughs> this ain't easy. This ain't no. easy at all. Cause Texas did it a completely different way. Texas, they bottomed out. They sold off stars and they, they stocked the coffers. They traded off and they developed a couple of them. And once they had them on the doorstep, they lost, they went to their peak of losing. The next season, boom, they went out and signed a huge, huge, over $500 million deal for a guy, right? Right. So, I mean, that's the way they stepped back into it. And, and their teams made up 14 homegrown, 10 free agents, you know, 16 of them via trade. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to go about doing this. The Pirates, if you really look at it, they're on the same kind of ship right now. If you look at their breakdown, they're 40 man right now, which is over by, by quite a few. So <laughs> yeah, right. Um, they got 18 homegrown only two via free agent right now, 19 trade. So you can see where their talent acquisition has come from right now. So I, I just think it's worth looking at and it's worth, understanding that it's not all about money but at some point that free agent number it's gonna be up five six seven if you're really gonna do this you know what i mean it has yeah. to be you have to augment it somewhere you 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 you've got to and then you've got to be able to judge if you are coming up short well then that means you need to probably spend a little bit more to, to to make up the ground and i think that that's where i see with the pirates right now is like okay great you want to you want to maybe get involved with some trades perfect i don't i don't have a problem with that you know you you obviously have to try to deal from some strengths if you think you have them but you also have to realize where you are deficient and how and how can you make that up well i'll tell you how you can make it up a little bit you got you to spend a little bit of money. You got yeah. to. I think they're going to have to. We've talked about in the, in the past feeling that it would be smart if the Pirates would trade some prospects because they were getting so kind of loaded towards the top of the system there. Now I think it's becoming a necessity. After you clear the 60-man guys and everything, this roster is going to be up around 47 or so out of 40-man. Yeah. So it's got to come crashing down, which means you're going to lose a lot of the fringe guys, you know, that you probably aren't going to care much about, like Rivas or, you know, people along those lines, Thomas Hatch, people along those lines. But they're they're going to kind of be forced to to make room quickly, and I'm hoping that they have some wheeling and dealing of at the prospect level alone. I think they could do some swapping that doesn't even touch major leagues. Yeah, I would hope that that that, that is the route they're going to try to try to go with it. And you know, here's the thing: if you got to give a little bit to get where you want to go right now, I think that's just the price you have to pay. And if you think you're, if you think you can draft and identify talent, well, guess what? You can restock the next year. I mean, right. you, you know, so you, you can't prospect hug forever. You cannot, you cannot do it in my, in my opinion. No, I think, we we talked about the hit rates on prospects before, and you know there's some scary numbers as far as like what you actually get out of uh, the vast majority of them. You know, yeah. I, I don't like to talk about them like commodities or human beings, but when you're thinking like a general manager, I'm sorry, they're commodities in, in many ways. Prospects just don't have that great of a hit rate, so if you can trade somebody that's maybe supposed to be good for somebody that you think can be for a year or two that is 
probably a good move. That's right. probably a win right now for the team you have because that's where you are. So I could see them making some moves that I think are going to be painful for people that have had their eyes just trained on the minor leagues for three, four years now. You know, right. I think there's some names they've fallen in love with that are probably going to be footnotes in the history of Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah. And and I don't think you can be paralyzed. I get why pirate fans might be with the fear of moving on from someone and they turn into good players somewhere else. Like, you know, the Cardinals are taking a beating right now for um uh the 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 guys they've let go, which is a Rosarena and uh oh God, the guy for Texas. Garcia. Yeah, like they're taking a beating. But you know what? It, it it has worked out for them more times than it is not. You know, it, you're not you're you're not going to not get burnt every once in a while. You're, you, right. it, it will happen. Sure. You just have to be good enough to insulate yourself so much that it's not the end of the world that it happened. Exactly. That's and all. I th- and I think that's what happens here in Pittsburgh is is you know like. Um, we and i say we in a general term that it's magnified right because we're not winning and anytime someone goes and has any success somewhere else well that magnifies it so here's what i think needs to happen for the pirates to have an arizona diamondbacks type season in 2024 jim i think it's there i think it's on the table Three things. I'll let you have three things, too. Hmm. Here's my first three things. Okay. One, O'Neill Cruz has to be a star player. He has to be. He can't be a project this year. He has to be a star or that magical 2024 run isn't happening. Mitch Keller needs to go from being the ace of the Pittsburgh Pirates and being somebody that other teams legitimately do not want to face period. He needs to be that guy, the shutdown guy. And then they need another star to emerge. I don't care if that's somebody that's already here, like Henry Davis or Andy Rodriguez or Nick Gonzalez, or if it is Paul Skeens, that has to happen. That's three things that I think minimally have to happen. And they're all star shots. Yeah, um trying to digest that. I will I will say that what I if they want to do what the Diamondbacks are going to do, then I think you're going to need to see them cuz they're so reliant on on these young guys. I think you're going to need to see them all take a step forward. I think you're going to need to see Andy take that step forward. I think you're going to need to see Henry Davis take that step forward. I think even, you know, Cruz is a, is a, is a no brainer. Um, they need him to be pretty special. Um, and I, and I, I think he can be, I make um, no bones about it. They need a Corbin Carroll. Yeah. They need, it doesn't have to be O'Neill Cruz, but that's what they need. They need a genuine major league wide star. Yeah. That everyone is looking at because the dude is unstoppable. That's what yeah. that's what has to happen to elevate this team, truly. Right. At and least I think offensively. And I think some people would be like, well, wait a minute. It's Corbin Carroll. Yeah, he was he was good, but you know, he ain't that good. No, he really was. I mean, 25 home runs, 54 steals. Uh OPS in the upper 800s. Um, he was legit, and they're they're very fortunate that that's how he came on because they don't have a lot of star power. It's nope. a very solid team, but he kind of stepped up and took that role. Well, who are you looking at with the Pirates that can have that kind of impact? 
There's I mean, a lot of candidates. There's just not anyone that I think has stepped up and done so. Or, and truly, like, realistic that you want to hang your hat on. Could Brian Reynolds have a career year? Absolutely, he could. Can Hayes still maybe take a step forward? Sure. But Cruz is the one with the, the, the high ceiling, right? So, Cruz is the one that you feel has potential to do something game-changing. And I mean, like, season-changing. Right. He's the one that's got the potential to put up a 40-home-run season. Yeah. He's the one that has the potential to potentially drive in 130, 140 runs. You know, like, that's that's what I mean. Genuine star power. Last time they won, that was Andrew McCutcheon. Right. You get There's got to be at least a guy that, you know. Yeah. Is is totally feared, and even then, sometimes it doesn't work because look what happened sure. to the look what happened to the Phillies. Well, even looking at the Phillies, like I, part of the reason that their team worked, a lot of good players, right? You can say whatever you want to about Bryce Harper, but Bryce Harper was the star of those stars, right? He was mm-hmm. the son that they all revolved around. Right, every sure. single one of them, they all look to him. He's their leader. He's the star. Every team needs that. the The, the problem a lot of these teams get is they get all these stars together and they're all of equal footing and they just pound each other in the head for whose whose team it is, right? Yeah, and it doesn't. It just doesn't right. mesh. San Diego. I mean, well, that's why it works in Philly though, because they all succumb to Bryce. They just let him have that. Yeah, he's the leader. San Diego, that would maybe that should be so Soto, you know. <laughs> but unfortunately, it's it's been people that don't glue a room together. So you know, I, you need that. Let me let me finish out that those three things. Um, so I really do think it's it's highly dependent on the guys that they have drafted pretty highly, and they need to or or that they're have high expectations for those guys have to take a step forward. I think you're going to have to see a pitcher that's on the roster to really uh, from a starting perspective, really come in and help solidify that starting rotation. Um, you know, obviously I look to schemes as maybe part of that, but that might, that's probably not going to be from the beginning. I think they've got to go out and add somebody that's a legitimate starter. That has to happen because I don't think you want to depend on two or three of those coming from inside. And the third one, I think that bullpen needs to be what I think it can be. I think that, I think that will make up for a lot of, a lot of things. If you can get a bullpen, that can be really, really good from that six through nine, the six through nine innings. And I think there's potential there too. So here we are dreaming, right? You know, Mm -hmm. we're talking, we're painting best case scenario pictures of all this stuff. And neither of us mentioned that they got to get themselves a good number two because we both were limited to three <laughs> like things. We well, that do. was your rules. Well, they, I mean, but they got to get themselves a qualified number two. They got to be relatively healthy. They, they could use Paul Skeens to jump up and be a star, like just in time to take them into the playoffs. Right. You know, I, there's so many lightning in a bottle type things that would have to happen for them to get there just like there were for Arizona. Just because it happened doesn't mean that it's just right on the corner for everybody that, that pursues the same path. That's all. Yeah. And, and, and I guess that's where my big thing with this is, is like, sure. The stars can align, but boy, a lot of things have to go right when you're not, the, the money won't guarantee anything. We've seen that. We know that. That's yeah. what everybody likes to point to. It doesn't mean that doesn't guarantee you anything. No, it, it does not. But if you're a team that's not spending a lot, man, you got to do it through homegrown. You got to do it through trades. You got to do it through 
picking up someone and a reclamation project, you know, like there's all these things and you got to hit on a lot of them. A lot of them. If you want to take something from Arizona, if you want Bob Nutting and, and crew to take something from Arizona, instead of taking that it's okay to get 84 wins and, and you've got a shot, cowboy, you know, you've done your job. I'd rather them take from them that it's okay to take risks and have them fail and you can still get it done. The highest paid Arizona Diamondback this year is Madison Bumgartner. And he was DFA'd in April. Yeah. Failing in in that aspect may suck for your wallet, writing that check every year or whatever. Right. But it, it does not have to doom your entire process. In fact, you better start looking at it as collateral damage because it's going to happen if you do this game any justice or any attempt at actually winning. Well, what you're saying is you can't be so risk averse that 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 it it can't even work out for you because you didn't even want to try it, you know. And 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 let's remember too, everybody wants to say, oh, Pirates and the Diamondbacks, and they're they're close. Well. The Diamondbacks didn't blow away anybody with payroll, but I still think they were in the 110, 120 mark. It's not like, you know, they're $30 million. It's not, you know, it's not what the Pirates did. So, you know, there's a difference there too. No, I mean, I I think the Pirates are pretty close to where the Diamondbacks were the year before, you know, (laughs) financially at least. And, I, I don't know. I also just don't put a whole lot of um, stock in that until it starts to matter. When they start making what I consider to be financial decisions on players internally, like whether to keep them or not, let's say they swing and miss on signing Keller. They screw up. They screw that up. To me, that's them being too risk averse. Right. Because there's no reason to let a player that wants to be here is still affordable get away from you at this stage where your team is and what you've built too. So, I mean, it would be like Arizona next year going like, well, Hey Zach, that was pretty great of you to get us to the world series. See you later. We got to trade you. It's time, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I would submit to you, Gary, Mitch Keller is because of where they are with their starting pitching. He's he's such a linchpin, and um, I, I don't know how they feel that they're going to be able to get it done or get where they want to go without signing him, without extending him. I can't so, imagine they do. I, I can't imagine that, that it, it's their goal to not get this done. That doesn't mean they'll get it done. I'm just saying, like, if there's a number there that can be met, I'd be pretty disappointed to find out that it didn't happen. They still have two years left where they can kind of pad what he would normally make in arbitration so they can still get out of them relatively cheap. And they can get this done. And I would be pretty upset if if they didn't, if only because it completely defeats the purpose of everything else. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's kind of, to me, the... The, the key piece that it, it you've got to be able to get it done. And if you have to pay market value and maybe Mitch Keller wants exactly that, he's not willing to take something. I'm just speculating, but okay. So finally, just do it. Just do it. You, you've put yourself in a position financially where you can do that. You can't, can't hope to get everybody on a deal and certainly yeah. not pitchers right and you i mean and do yourself a favor and go out and look at the market right now and go man i would love to have a jordan montgomery on my team next year he's gonna cost 20 million dollars a year boy would i like to have him and then look back at mitch and go 
he's probably not going to cost $20 million a year. If right. I'm smart and I sign him now, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. that to me is just the most simplistic way to look at it. You're, you're yeah. going to have to buy it at some point. So buy the cheaper product that you already know you like. Get it done. <laughs> and then right. find guys elsewhere. That's fine. And, and and even to that point, too, is like anybody that you want to dream about the Pirates getting who's probably out of their range. Wait till you see the stupid money that gets thrown at Blake Snell. Wait till you see the stupid money that gets thrown at Jordan Montgomery. Yeah. They you, have them pitching out of wheelchairs, too, like signing these guys. Oh. Their 45th birthday. and Guys that should that be I getting get like guys that should be getting realistically four years because that's where they're probably going to be productive. Some team's going to give them six or seven. Yeah. I think like we look at like the Dodgers payroll and, and we freak out about, you know, how much they're spending. The amount of dead money they have on their payroll is insane, Jim. It's insane. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the real difference. You know, the, the year to year payrolls, like what you're actually paying the guys that are playing for you. Yeah. There's some guys that get a whole lot of money, but the, <laughs> there's right. also some, some, some dead in in the back end of that stuff that, that I think is just overlooked a lot of times. Oh, I think, and I, I've tried, you know, I, I had some interesting conversations this week on social media about, you know, what's good for the game long term. And everybody wants to just look at payroll, payroll, payroll. Well, you, you, I, I actually think it should be when you look at payroll, there should also be is what kind of dead money are they carrying to get a true indicator of what certain teams are up against compared to other ones. And that's the only way you get a real clear picture of that, in my opinion. Right. So can it happen? Yeah. Yeah, it can. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of stuff's got to happen, though, folks. A lot of stuff. A lot of luck. And a lot of, like, unreal progression from players, which I'm not rolling out. Jack Sawinski's another guy that I didn't even mention that he could take the jump to full-blown star next year, and I think you're looking at a different Pirates team. Yeah. Doesn't have to be O'Neill Cruz. But somebody's got to turn into that whole league is looking at us type star. you got to have a couple real big boppers in your lineup right now. You, yep. you, you have to. And, you know, I think at one point before these, these games six and sevens, it was like the team that had out homered the other team was like 20 and three. Yeah. I, I mean, like it, it's just become such a game of if you put the ball out of the ballpark at a pretty regular pace, you, when you, when you're winning 20 of 23 games, if you simply out homer the other team, Gary, uh, right. You know, the, the that speaks volumes as to where the game is, where it's probably going to be at for a long time. All right, Jim. Well, technical difficulties aside, this is a great show. Really happy yeah. time talking to you. Man. No, yeah. <laughs> listen, you know this was this was good because, like, um, I think we were both sitting around this week thinking, you know, um, let's let's dive into. I think it's a cool series to 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 watch. And I really like the fact that the Pirates are in a situation where, hey, at least we can start making a bridge to see how they could get there. Right, right. It's at least not something you have to laugh off the screen now. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. That, that you're even in within, you know, shouting distance of it. And I keep telling, I keep saying that I know you keep saying it this off season. Man, it's so critical. It's so super critical. It really is. I'm anxious to start watching it play out. Next week, we're going to talk about our 40-man suggestions, Jim. I think it's time. 
All right. Crowded. Can you study up? <laughs> Absolutely. It's going to be a blast going through that stuff. Maybe I'll make some handy dandy charts or something. Yeah, no, that'll be good because, man, there's some decisions that are going to be need to be made. Some are, some are going to be easy, but not all of them. Yeah. All right, let's hand it off to Ben like we always do. And for those of you who stuck with us here on, on the uh, technical challenging episode, thank you very much. And I'll say it for us. Let's go, Bucks. Let's go, Bucks.